You are listening to Radio Pulpit 657am uh, and Radio Cape Pulpit 729am. This is Table Talk with me, Mark Penrith, uh, sitting next to Tyrell Hogg this morning. On Table Talk, we have various guests come on and we shoot the breeze and have a conversation on various Bible subjects. And we are inviting you to join that conversation, so to speak. So feel free to send through uh, any questions that you might have or comments that you might have. And we will share the details uh, in a second. So in addition uh, to my guests, who I will introduce, although you know him quite well this morning, I also have on the controls... Mpo. <laughs> Mpo, and uh, thank you very much for driving us uh, this morning. Today we are going to be speaking about uh, leadership development within the context of uh, the church. And uh, joining me is Tyrell Hogg. Now, obviously, we are used to having Tyrell sitting on the other side of the desk uh, asking the questions. This morning we are starting to shift gear, and uh, I will be speaking to him and he will be driving much of the content. The way that you can join us is on WhatsApp 082-657-2729. You can SMS 37871 uh, Table Talk. Uh, there is a phone line 012334 1322 and we are on Facebook you can go to the radio pulpit Facebook page uh, and drop comments there I think things are also being live streamed this morning Tyrell yeah that's right so that's where everyone will drop their comments in the live stream that they find at the radio pulpit page so I'm super excited to speak to you brother yeah. um, and I'm super excited that you're the person that I get to speak to uh, this morning because obviously you know how all of this works <laughs> <laughs> and you can guide me It's a lot less through. daunting isn't it? <laughs> it's a whole lot less daunting when you're speaking to the guy that's normally doing the interviews um, yeah. but uh, yeah maybe just to kick off um, I am Mark Penrith I've been on mm. your show uh, many times Lots actually times, yeah. I, I, I don't have enough fingers to count I don't Has think it been that many? Yeah, yeah, probably. I think it's probably been 10 or, ten or so yeah. um, over the years um, and have always enjoyed interacting with you you and I have been friends for how long? yeah it was before we planted Heritage right it was when I was still at Constantia Park Baptist Church so uh, before 2011 wow Okay, so we're talking 10 years. So the other day I found that letter. Remember I, <laughs> I found a printed art form of that letter and I sent you. Talk, talk, talk about... Well, well, let me tell you, the, first time, me, the, yeah. the first time that I, that I interacted with Tyrell, I was driving with my family home from uh, KwaZulu-Natal. We had gone on holiday. I had a great holiday driving home. It was late at night. Um, at the time I was listening to... Uh, a radio show that I often tuned into. I think it was on because Sunday you were a evenings. Sucker for punishment. <laughs> it was on Sunday evenings, and I wanted to hear what the what, what the conversation was out there. Uh, it was a very liberal leaning radio show. Well, it was like a very. It was a new age. It was essentially a pluralistic, like yes. pluralistic religious. Have everybody on, listen to everyone's views, and be affectionate towards them as long as they're. I would I would Open. take notes and get red in my face and boil over. So I used to stop listening, by the way. So I used to listen to the sh that show for the I, same are reason. Are you allowed to say what the show was? Yeah, I think yeah. so, because yeah. it doesn't exist no, anymore. Shoot. It was Kate Turkington's show on uh, on 702 on a 
in an evening, a uh, Sunday evening, but I can't remember what, what it was called. Oh, man. Uh, no. I just remember, remember the Midnight Zoo. But anyway, <laughs> that's, that was cool. But I used to listen to it, and then I used to get so angry at, like, the nonsense that sometimes was spouted yeah. that I thought, sure, I'm not listening to this. Like, it was unedifying. Face. On the end of the Lord's Day, you know, you, like, heard God's word, sung with God's people, okay, before we go to bed, let's just go and get our blood pressure up here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm driving back to, uh, back to Johannesburg uh, with my family in the car, and my wife keeps on saying to me, no, turn off the radio, I don't want the girls to be listening to this. <laughs> and then... On comes this young man because this was ten years ago. How old would you have been? Yeah, I like was in your 20 late twenties, Okay, and on comes this young man, and he's talking about Christian hedonism, mm. and I'm like thinking this is going to be the worst of the worst. I, I'm like this is just going to descend into all chaos, um, and yeah. and then I I hear you talking and you sound like John Piper meets Jonathan Edwards. Uh, you're talking about guys that I know. I'm listening and the more I listen to you, the more excited I get. Eventually, I pull the car over and type out an email because I I go and I Google and I I find an email address for you. Uh, I pull the car over and I write an email. Just to say thank you so much for representing Christ so faithfully. I mean, I can't remember the contents of the email. It was literally over a decade ago. Um, but that was my first introduction to to you, Tyrell. And I've yeah. enjoyed your company ever since. We've yeah, it's been cool, man. And then we got together. You came. After that, we, we made contact and I joined you at the KFC outside your work because you weren't serving in the ministry yet. There you, you go. I was at Dimension Data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dimension Data. Working as a computer Person. software engineer right. management Dilbert, basically. Guy. Yeah, basically. <laughs> just without the glasses and the pocket. Actually, I had a pocket protector. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then we, um, yeah, we went to KFC and we had a good camaraderie around that. So I've got to um, say that most of the best meetings I ever have happen at a KFC. Um, with, okay, there's no sponsorship or anything like that <laughs> happening. <laughs> but yeah, and then and then you eventually went to Crystal Park. Like, I mean, you you had a trajectory towards ministry. You were an elder already at um, Midrand Chapel. Midrand Chapel, yes, so serving alongside yeah. Chris Willie. And then things have just kind of escalated from there over the years between yeah. us. Yeah. Um, well, we we've had pulpit swaps between Heritage Baptist Church and Crystal Park Baptist Church. In oh. actual fact, I think I stand correct. In fact. No, I don't think. I can I can say that um next to people in Crystal Park, so elders, uh, you have you've preached at Crystal Park twice. Mm. You, uh, you were you hosted at a conference. Mm. Uh you came and preached. I've preached at Heritage a couple of times over the years. Yeah. Loved interacting with your people um and our people really love you. And so we send people to You're you. a house you're a household name cuz folk listen to Radio Pulpit right. and they listen on Fridays at 9 o'clock until 11. Uh, and maybe a shout out to a couple of them. Teresa will definitely be yeah, uh, right. be, be listening. He listens every, every single week. And Gogo Hannah, it would be lovely if you are online as well. Feel free to drop a comment. Love to hear from you guys as well. And then we sent Tepo to you guys. Yes. Right. So Tepo joined Tepo joined us uh, two years ago, uh, yeah. r- roughly two years ago. Um, he was at uh, Heritage Baptist Church, and now he serves alongside me as pastoral assistant. He would have been in today, mm. um, but I think I left a little bit too early uh, to get uh, all the way out to Pretoria. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the yeah that's the history, and then obviously having you on the show so much and given your um, 
loquacious nature and uh, graciousness at interacting you're uh, you're the guy who's taking over as I um, head off to serve elsewhere so I'm writing down the word loquacious uh, that will be my word of the day <laughs> for Friday <laughs> that's brilliant but I'm so excited I'm really I'm so excited to be sitting here um, and for a number of reasons one is I, I love Jesus and I love the proclamation of the gospel I love the opportunity to make his fame and renown um, uh, to be used by him to make his fame and renown great um, so I'm I'm excited about that um, and, and I actually love radio I mean right. I really love the medium of radio it's my chosen medium for watching five day cricket uh, I, I love to listen to radio listening to five day cricket. I love talk radio I've been listening to it since I was a kid I'm absolutely addicted can't stop um, yeah so I'm, I'm excited to be here this is uh, this is how I want to spend my Friday mornings yeah well that's awesome man and um and so yeah, so everyone that's listening knows, you know, this is it's kind of like a handover in some way. And so you know, there's some things that that mark you're still making this whole vibe your own. Um, and so we're kind of like, if you had to compare what the show is, if this show was a book of the Bible, it would be Acts, because it's the transitional period between the covenants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you do like to stir a little bit. <laughs> no, but you don't have an issue with that, right? No, I don't. So, so there might be a bit of, like, peculiar things in today's show, like just some, like, okay, this is a new thing, and that's, like, we're, you know, and then things are going to, like, you know, eventually sure. James is going to come around the epistle, and things will become more normative for the direction that you'll take it. But <laughs> sure, I mean, look, I, I've enjoyed your show. I've yeah, enjoyed yeah. the interactions on your show. My desire would certainly be for there to be continuity. I, yeah, I yeah. love the Q and A aspect. Uh, I'm seeing folk already um, coming in on WhatsApp. So thank you to everybody that's already been commenting. Uh, it's lovely to have you guys online. I'm assuming that there's a couple of comments being dropped on Facebook as well. So it'll be cool to uh, to interact with those uh, uh, shortly I, I I'm I'm looking forward to continuity in terms of engagement mm. with people that are listening um, and then many of the folk that you are friends with that you've been inviting on over the years I mean in reality we run in a very similar uh, vein in, a, in in the same stream and so uh, yeah we'll be interacting with many of the same faces and uh, many of the same voices over the next while well, you've got a definition of your word for the day from a kind oh, well done thank you Vilma really appreciate it loquaciousness is the tending to talk with a great deal to be talkative thank you so much for that but it's, <laughs> that almost makes it sound negative it's not like it's not <laughs> negative like loquacious is a very positive the connotation in our language just so you know well so. there you go <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited everyone needs a word for the day that will be ours cool. <laughs> so brother um this morning, um, as we are talking, the intention is to talk about leadership development, um, leadership development within the context of the church. Um, mm. Obviously, a topic which would be very close to any pastor's heart, um, uh, handing over from one generation to the next, the deeper truths of the faith is exactly what we what we need to be doing. It's uh, the way all of our hearts are are aimed. Um, but when when we talk about leadership development, I'm also guessing that we're talking about leadership development at every tier of leadership, um, beyond just elders. We're talking about mm. deacons, 
Bible study leaders, uh, heads of homes, I mean, leadership. Informal leaders. Informal leaders. Sometimes get neglected. So, so, I mean, just to, just to open up and to begin the discussion this morning, when you think of leadership development, why, why do you think this is so important? Is, is, this, is this something largely that the, that the church is, is struggling with in the same way that the world is currently struggling with a leadership vacuum? Um, yeah, maybe let's just start talking there. Yeah, so um, look, there, there, there are multiple issues around leadership development um there's there's a lot of other things that affect it so for example your pool of who you're drawing into leadership um you know what what's where is that pool what kind of people make up that pool is going to affect the type or quality of leaders that you're able to pull in so that's like a whole part of the discussion in one area we could speak about Mm. but why i think it's an important issue and I'm, i'm sensitive to speak about leadership because when i say it i'm not meaning it's um, in the CEO exec kind of negative way or the way you know like the Nicolaitans I'm not mm. like thinking of it as those that rule over the laity like aggressive mm. vibes um, but I do think and we have to talk about ecclesiology um, as well a little bit so that's a whole other area but I do think that th- probably the single most important factor if we're excluding the assumptions that we have, so the assumptions that everything happens by the grace of God, it's about being connected to the vine, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's only the functioning of the Holy Spirit. So I'm taking that for granted, but I do want to state it. Mm. Apart from that, the single most important factor in the success of, or the growth of, or the development of a church is the leadership. And I'll say the same for a family, and I'll say the same for a business. I'll say the same for everything. Mm. I think leadership is the single most important factor. Um, and there's stats that bear that out on church revitalization, which obviously, you know, is an interesting topic for me now. But um, you can go through the Bible and see that. You know, when God wants to sovereignly deliver the Israelites uh, from Egypt, he raises up a leader. Mm. When God wants to restore Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile, he raises up a leader. So there's always he, he selects leaders and raises them up. But they and they are held ultimately responsible. And so I think we've had a little bit of an interaction on that before as well. Mm. Just kind of like where does the responsibility lie? I do think that it lies with the congregation because I'm Baptist. Mm. Um at the same time, I do think that the leadership bears a special responsibility in a different way um, than than the congregation, right? Let not many of you be teachers. We'll receive a stricter judgment. The letters to the churches are written to the angels in Revelation, which I'd see as the elders or the leaders of the churches. Um, Peter, you know, the, the flock that God has entrusted to you, uh, or Hebrews, you will give an account, the leaders of the church, for them. Um, so all of that is, I, th- I think that's why this is such an important subject. Mm. So I think you've made the point that this is important well um, by quoting a number of scriptures that seem to impress the yeah. responsibility of leadership um, to leaders. And you've discussed about God raising up leaders at key points uh, in his word around key matters that he wanted to achieve. Uh, I guess as I'm as I'm thinking through this and as I'm thinking through uh, leadership development and its importance its, its, its importance to to the church how might it be important to somebody who's listening today so so not not necessarily a leader but a person who's either in a church or a person who's looking 
for a church how how is leadership important to everyone or is this just a matter that you know pastors need to think about because they need to have leaders around them uh, if a church is going to grow in a healthy way yeah so look you you're going to be responsible as a member of a church for um, selecting leadership um, for following leadership and everyone um, is probably going to be a leader in some form um, in some expression in their life anyway but being able to identify good leaders and then get behind them and support them is um, is one thing. If you're in a congregational form of church government and you have to select leaders, then thinking through these issues are going to be important for you. Um, and then also knowing what you want to foster in the lives of perhaps your children or others around you. What you want to encourage or affirm in the life of a leader is also going to be important, right? So... Um, if if you're if maybe you're a Barnabas, right? I mean that's just kind of shorthand Christian use for an encourager. Um, you know maybe that's kind of how you find yourself. You you want to you want to be affirming the the right stuff in somebody to help them move in that direction. So if we're just um, critical of people, uh, we don't generally bring about change in an individual. But if we're critical and at the same time affirming of what we'd like to see more of, not just assuming it, we can help individuals to grow in that direction. Uh, so, I mean, off the top of my head, those are some of the benefits of a follower. Um, and by the way, I think leaders need to be followers as well. But of someone who's just, you know, my job here is to serve and support the leadership and go along with the vision that the Lord is giving the church through the leadership. You know, that, I think those would be some of them. I don't know. Do you have any? Yeah, I mean, thoughts a, a, in mind? well, a, as you're talking, uh, you mentioned, and it wasn't the first time, this uh, this ecclesial uh, reality that both you and I are congregational, which means that our approach to the recognition or recognizing leaders uh, would be a, um, a a function of the church. The church is involved in recognizing mm. its leaders, and, and so maybe we do need to we do need to just draw that out and explain that a little bit because there might be folk that are confused. Maybe you come from a different ecclesial structure, whether it be an Anglican background or mm. a Reformed Church background, um, and so so maybe we do just need to talk about that a little bit because um, it, it does mean that the burden of responsibility in terms of your and my theology uh, is that the church does bear some tangible responsibility for the people whom they are um, involved in in choosing to lead them in in extending the what we would call the external call. So so let's talk about that a yeah. little bit before we start to talk about the characteristics of what makes a good leader. And yeah. um, because that that we can we we're going to be going to God's word. We're going to be looking at some of the characteristics from God's word uh, and then talking about what that looks like practically. Um, but but maybe let's just talk about uh, as we move from the importance of leadership as we move um, through why it is important to everybody and as we just engage there um, why in a congregational structure is choosing leaders and taking responsibility for that so important what what can go wrong if uh, if we choose bad leaders yeah so the there's there's several things. One is the church is not going to have a succession plan in place, and you kind of touched on that earlier, right? And I'm not doing this in any you know order of priority, um, so just bear that in mind. But if you if you're not picking good leaders, strong leaders as a church, then you might you might be able to live for the short term 
the existence of the church life but it doesn't have any continuity because if one strong leader that's there that's keeping everything going leaves then everything just ends up going into a spiral and a decline afterwards because there's no continuity because the others aren't able to shoulder the burden of leadership on their own um so that's the one important reason that that i'd say for choosing um the the other is that it um it it is a comment on your ability to discern it says something about you when you choose bad leaders Mm. um you know i remember at school there was a time when uh the, the teachers would do this thing to try and keep a class under control when they left they'd kind of they'd sometimes appoint a monitor you know mm-hmm. and um, but sometimes they'd have the class select the monitor and as you go through the, the standards in high school they eventually the class figures it out let's pick the naughtiest guy <laughs> to be the monitor because then we can do we're not going to pick the person that's actually going to report us mm. right so it's a commentary on what we wanted to get up to in the teacher's gun who we elected I don't know if you guys ever figured that out hey man is this a metaphor for the current way that leadership is working in the world <laughs> <laughs> so so that's you know and I'm like but if 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 other elders are putting forward somebody's name and mm. they're a weak leader or if a congregation is affirming somebody and they're a weak leader um, you know because they're worried about that person's feelings more than they are about the glory of God um, or they just want to appoint this person out of some you know um, historical you know this person's family's been in the church for a long time so let's you know we don't want to offend them um, rather than the good of the people of the congregation it's a comment on you mm. and everyone else can see it mm. everyone else knows like actually yo sorry going to your comment now about leadership in the world right now everyone's looking and thinking gee is this really like, is this really what you're is this the best you know and it's a comment on on the people who are making the vote yes so, yes so those are those are some reasons that i would say and, and you know probably more important than all of that is that it jeopardizes the purpose of the kingdom of god so while i believe that jesus is building the church and it will not fail that's an overarching thing it doesn't mean that incidental expressions of the kingdom in a local church won't fail those can the lampstand can be removed their Mm. witness can be removed and at least one of the reasons it can be removed is because leadership is poor or weak or not doing what they're called to do tarot talk to me a little bit in simple language that i can understand about the different types of leadership structures that we see in the churches around us and i'm talking about the 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 formal structures that we might read in a in a book Right, so we've got um, Presbyterian form of church government, which obviously would cover the Presbyterian church. Um, the Dutch Reformed would be fairly similar, right? Where okay. What, what does that look like in practice? Churches are ruled by their local elders. Yeah. And um, those elders have either one or two. Um, I think sometimes it could be, you'll correct me, you'll know as well, if all of the elders will then go to a broader meeting, which in the Dutch Reformed or the, the three sister churches would be a synod. Mm. In the Presbyterian church, they've got a similar name, yep. you know, and then they all, and that's kind of the big meeting that... Presbytery. Presbytery, that, that directs the, the, the... that pushes the direction of the denomination and the decisions that are made there are brought back and bear um, bear down on the local church, okay. right? So it's not necessarily the local church elders that are making those decisions. All of the elders from the various churches making the decision. Mm. 
then they're just bringing it home. The, I think the local church elders, their role that is unique in their local church would be more pastoral. Mm. Um, On the shepherding side. Yeah, shepherding okay. type of things. Then there's Episcopalian, which you actually might be better at, at speaking to. Um, hey, my, my dad... Yeah. Uh, and he's an artillery piece, right? Uh, he's an artillery piece. He's a cannon uh, yeah. uh, in the Anglican Church. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up with a, with an Anglican uh, priest for a father, uh, Episcopal structure in some ways. Uh, uh, and um, my mother's probably listening this morning, so I've got to be careful what I say. She will be commenting um, when I uh, when I'm on my way home. Um, but but as a hangover from Catholicism in some ways an Episcopal system uh, is very hierarchical in nature so uh, if you think of the Catholic Church you'd have the Pope at the top you'd have cardinals you'd have bishops underneath bishops you would have priests and then you would have a separation between the clergy uh, that sits at the top and and the people uh, who are you know members of the church well in the Anglican system uh, and you get different types of Anglicans you get high church Anglicans and you get evangelical Anglicans and so uh, this does work itself out in different ways depending on the context um, but in an Anglican system you do have separation between clergy and laity um, in terms of ordination and in terms of function uh, and role that the clergy perform uh, and there is a hierarchical structure so you would have clergy that sit over a church and they would often be met um, with a board um, uh, 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 that is made up of parishioners and various different people in the church that that will that right, will man. advise no. them and interact with them. I'm and just saying that type of a meeting. Not like, not boring. Meeting. Not boring. It's a different spelling, okay, brother. Different okay. spelling. Um, but but there would also be a bishop who sits over the clergy, and, and ultimately um, authority mm. is vested higher up. Um, right. And so the, the 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 bishop would have decision making authority over the churches that are in his diocese um i mean just trying to give the the, the simplest view that that i could uh, yeah, that yeah. i could relate and then there's baptist right and then there's then there's congregational yeah. um which which looks different in different contexts yeah, so no, I, i'm guessing different. we're gonna we're gonna need to just talk about the various different ways that uh, that this rolls out um in the south african environment what what does what the typical baptist church look like today in your in your estimation so so typical like it's it's hard to know because I haven't been part of a typical Baptist church for twenty years but um and and since then there's been a bit of change because mm. elders became more normal mm. but i i'm I'm not sure how widespread that is so if I remember back in the day right yes it was deacons yes deacons were essential whether like the the de facto elders of a local church they weren't elders they were deacons there no was a distinction pastor. between what an elder does and what a deacon does just a no. board of deacons board of deacons a pastor and then there was a congregation and generally where we get congregationalism from is that the congregation votes on stuff is essentially right from all the passages in Acts and Corinthians that please sure. the multitude that so type final of authority sits with the congregation yeah yeah and um, they would say on most on most matters right that would be the I think the the general old school congregationalism. Funny true story. So yeah. I've been at Crystal Park Baptist Church for ten years. I arrived ten years ago. We had a congregational meeting, 
at that meeting they had to do you know fairly important stuff like call a new pastor which i you know obviously sitting there waiting for a call and 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 being involved um was pretty important to me um, but some of the things that they voted on that day was should we or should we not have a library um who should be the librarian should we or should we not go from two ply toilet paper to one ply toilet paper true story yeah yeah so there was some financial pressure <laughs> i should just so I th- maybe point I out i think that um yeah and, and this is now we're getting into different expressions of congregationalism right so even between our two churches there might be slight nuanced differences mm. so i know a lot of the a lot of our brothers who are of the same ilk as 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 baptists well eschew eschew my idea of elder rule because so, i still like that word so so before we move okay so yeah before we move to to your special case and and maybe crystal park what, yeah, what yeah. crystal park looks like again just 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 define what what in your mind is the typical oh, baptist the, yeah. church in south africa right. model so if that's, there is a that's typical where i was model. going so i think it used to be a, a typical union church and i'm imagining convention church would have been board of deacons pastor congregation mm. The deacons kind of make decisions, but it has to be ratified by congregation. That was what I remember being typical in the 90s. And and can I affirm what you're saying? Because I, I spend a lot of time reading church constitutions right. and, and, you know, from around the country. And, and the model church constitution actually affirms the model that you've just described. So, so a board of deacons who are nominated and elected by the congregation... Um, joining in an executive um a pastor and normally it's a single pastor elders aren't even mentioned in many of the constitutions um uh, who they have called and who who really reports into them as a group but together with the deacons the pastor becomes the executive and they run the they run the oversight of the church collectively as a a group um, and then remain accountable to the church and the church ultimately has the final decision making in terms of the application of what is called the congregational principle um, as Baptists. Right. So now, special cases. Let's talk no, about... No, you, even you, yet, before oh. we get there. So eldership started becoming popular at some point. Okay. Right, yes. I think. Yeah. And then what I see maybe happens, 1980s there is about uh, it, it uh, well in, in our Baptist circles yes. I don't, so at least when I was a kid maybe I was in different churches but for me it only started in the 2000s oh, okay. elders started kind of becoming normative in Baptist churches in South Africa okay but maybe I was just so remember I didn't go straight into a, a reformed Baptist type of church yes okay right. um, so I, I had more experience of the violently Arminian okay there okay. you go so I think that in some cases what happened is the word deacon yes changed to elder yes or became synonymous with elder and then you started having deacons and elders and the pastor yes just, just, but here the way I'm saying it it's not the elders with a pastor as part of the elders yes there were deacons and elders and the pastor yeah and the idea of the parity Yes. Of elders and the pastor being equal with the other elders still didn't exist in some traditional Baptist churches. It was still the pastor and oh, these are just the deacon, you know, elders. And maybe just 
push a pause on yeah, uh, yeah. that. We're going to come back to that word parity and plurality, and if those are synonyms or if you mean something different right, between right. those two. But 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 what you're saying uh, is really borne out by the fact that most churches would then still in their constitutions contain uh, an executive which is made up of the deacons and the pastor or the deacons the elders and the pastor distinction between the pastor and the elders distinction between the elders and the deacons but all three of those groups becoming an executive of the church and that being the leadership right. of the church exactly right okay. so that's really weird yes um, well I, I think it's, it doesn't fit with where I think the biblical model goes which is that we've got deacons who have a particular role in the church and I would typically just see that as mercy type ministries that type of thing um, there's a broader area we could go into there's elders who are responsible for the leadership of the church and I appreciate the Presbyterian distinction of ruling versus teaching elders just going off of Paul writing to Timothy talking about those who labor in word um, right so and and I would distinguish maybe between vocational and non-vocational elders not with regards to authority but um, you know with regards to who's being paid this is their job their vocation is to be an elder and these other brothers have a secular or a, a non-church vocation um, and so the elders would make decisions and in going to special cases and this is where we need to pause that out in, in, in my type of situation I think the elders have a lot more freedom to rule and lead the church except for the particulars that the New Testament said must please the congregation um, and so the New Testament tells us exactly what are the issues that the congregation ought to be pleased with it doesn't say that the congregation needs to be pleased with the ply of toilet paper you know what I mean I know I really know what you mean yeah 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 <laughs> so, so that's kind of where I've gone in, in that direction so Okay, so now we are talking about a, a a Baptist church which has a congregation, and that congregation is made up of members. They are recognized. They are brought into formalized membership. That membership is involved in, in, in something in the church. And then you have elders who are serving, and this is quite important, they're serving amongst the members. Yeah. Um, but they are distinct from the members. They are They are recognized leaders amongst the the members um, and you've spoken about roles you've spoken about the fact that they rule in this special context and then we'll talk about Crystal Park afterwards um, but they they rule and then you spoke about some things that please the congregation and mm. and these standing as, as as decisions that the congregation makes or, or just flesh that out so I understand it yeah so I mean in Acts um, is it Acts 7 Mark where you've got the Acts 6 Acts 6 right yep. the proto-deacons I yes. see that as a proto-diaconal type of vibe <laughs> even if you you know even if you don't it's it still gives us a bit of a direction of men who are doing actually the the word proto deacon the, the word proto deacon yeah, is, yeah. is is okay yeah so there it pleased the congregation it pleased the people mm. the deacons that were selected so involvement in the selection yeah. so the people of, had to be happy okay right um, uh, on financial issues yes. Um, on weighty financial issues in the church since the church belongs to the people mm. the weighty financial issues like the purchase of a building or the purchase of a vehicle um, those type of things will look at your church and so this is our recommendation but the people need to ratify it and you need to the elders need to have been able to convince them 
persuade them that this is good for the kingdom of God and a good use of the church's money mm. uh, because the money belongs to the members mm. um, for the sake of the ministry mm. right so I think on on major financial issues like that mm. um, and then also elders since it's the people that the church has to willingly submit to hmm. Um, mm. If I have to willingly submit to you, then I ought to have a role in your selection. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, the elders are, the names of elders are put forward by elders. Timothy is told, or Titus is told to go and appoint elders. Mm. Um, he doesn't say, okay, you guys just pick anyone you want to be an elder and, and you know, then we'll vote on the names you put forward. You know, that seems in the New Testament that the elders put forward the name of elders. But then it does make sense that that's ratified by the congregation since they have to now joyfully submit to those particular leaders. Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, very interesting. You and I were never going to be far apart on no, this. No, no, for sure. So while I wouldn't use, and now I'm talking about Crystal Park Baptist Church where, where I serve, I, I wouldn't use the word elder rule. Um, we talk about congregational principle where uh, under Christ the congregation is the highest decision-making body uh, in our church uh, when we have a constituted general meeting and we're deciding on these matters. However, we talk about elder-led church. Um, and the way that our elders lead is we bring nominations forward to the church for ratification. So when when we bring forward the names of new members, we bring forward the names of deacons, the names of elders, um, the uh, finances are brought forward and nomination for approval in the name of the elders and the church is then involved in ratifying uh, what we have what we have put forward to 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 indicate their approval of of what the elders are doing so the elders remain accountable to the people and the people um hold the elders to account um they they, they but but the elders lead so so not so far away but maybe a different choice of word to demonstrate where the emphasis but it works out the same yes so so as you've been as you've been talking obviously we've been we've been talking about how maybe a decision is made Mm. so who gets to make the decision um in a presbyterian setup you have a presbytery decision making is made there it is flowing down through the elders that are sent to the presbytery uh, into the presbyterian church or to the church that that works according to that structure in an anglican church decisions are made at a high level at a bishop level it's flowing down to the clergy mm. the clergy are then putting that into place and and obviously in all of these systems there's interaction between the people mm. um and and it w- in any healthy environment that's happening um in a baptist congregational setup the typical setup the church the church itself um is ultimately responsible for the decisions that are being made um but leaders either lead strongly um and engage with the church during that process or there is an elder rule group. So I, I've got the question, what happens if you bring forward the name of someone and the church rejects it? Or if you bring forward the finances for 2021 and the church says no, in actual fact the new wing that you guys intend on building on, we're just not going to accept that. Um, how do the elders rule in that case? Yeah, so we'd go along with the congregational decision. Okay, so you're actually elder-led. Well, it doesn't seem... So we're using the language from Timothy, right? So we're just using biblical language when we say rule. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice response, brother. Nice response. But um, 
so, I mean, when I see the word rule, I'm thinking about uh, spiritual matters as well now. Okay. Um, I think that, that that's brought in, and I don't think it precludes the idea of leading. So I'd, I'd include that in there. Mm. If, if the congregation rejects yes. um, a decision that the elders have made, yeah. there are implications, right? Sure. So there's implications about the congregation's trust of the elders. Yeah. Right, which is quite that's quite significant. Um, well, l- let me give you an example. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, heritage and Crystal Park are really too close to draw many distinctions from. Um, Midrand Chapel, uh, which is my sending church, um, which is a solo five church, so Baptistic, um, in the same um, in the same group of churches as Heritage Baptist Church and Crystal Park Baptist Church. Um, Midrand Chapel, my sending church, um, is elder rule as opposed to what I would describe as elder led. Okay. So we are accountable to the church. Um, at Midrand Chapel, I, I remember about 11, 12, 13 years ago, I was serving as an elder. We spent, the elders spent about two years thinking through, considering and planning uh, a change to our children's ministry. Um, our decision was to pull the, the, the Sunday school out of our uh, service time and to do children's Sunday school before the service um, so that we could have family-based worship during the service itself. Uh, and, and really, the, the elders struggled through it. We spoke through it. Um, there was theological wrangling that we needed to do. We came to decision over a long period of time, different elders on different sides of the conversation, but we came to agreement. We came to unity. And we're an elder rule church, so we made the decision. We, you know, called the Sunday school teachers in place, said this is going to be the change from, you know, next week, Wednesday, or whatever the time frame we we gave. We had a congregational meeting where we just, you know, planned on on telling the church, um, well, this is the way it's going to happen. And there was full-scale mutiny. <laughs> it was like this was really not a great idea. Not so much that the people didn't trust the leaders, but that the leaders had spent two years thinking through this and thinking and planning through how this would work and how it would look and, and how we would do it. And we gave no opportunity to the people um, to go through that same mental exercise and decision-making process ourselves. Yeah. Um, the leadership at the time, so the first amongst the equals, uh, Chris Woolley, is an incredibly wise guy, read the, um, the, the, the temperature of the room um, and didn't backtrack but said to the church, folk, in actual fact I realize we've taken years to come to this decision. We've given you all of five minutes. What we're going to do is we're going to spend the next three months, six months, or however long it takes, um, teaching on things like family worship, on things like um, where Sunday school actually fits into the greater scheme of things or where it doesn't. Um, And at the end of that teaching process, we're going to come back to you uh, with our decision. And and that's what he did, and and the church uh, eventually moved Sunday school out of or, or came to a there, there was a I, I can't remember exactly how it rolled out um, but but I guess mm. in all of these models whether it be Presbyterian whether it be Episcopal whether it be congregational or whether it be elder ruled there has to be a necessary relationship between the congregation and its leaders there, there, there has to be interaction uh, leaders have to lead and people have to follow uh, and that requires relational something or other so you know we're big um 
we're big social media communicators. So I don't know if you you probably saw that one post that I uh, I made uh, this week where I said that um, in leadership relationship is more important than the chain of command, and that's exactly what you're just saying now. It's not about okay, well we're the elders, we make these decisions, so we're just letting you know um, that doesn't work out for good leadership um, in a local church. That's you know that that kind of relational thing that you're talking about and i would apply this everywhere i would apply this in a family i'd apply this in a secular work setting um even amongst the elders themselves you know if you've got the first among equals and the others um it's it's all relationship is the most important aspect of that happening and that's what you're touching on so so we need to talk about the character of the people who lead us, uh, w- what that looks like, what that feels like. Um, we do need to talk about how we measure that and who, what makes for good leaders mm-hmm. biblically. But even before we get there, I, I guess I'm, I'm asking the question, um, do we need to be led as Believers, Do we need to be in churches where there is leadership? Uh, is it imperative to be led or can I lead myself? Can I, can I lead my, you know, uh, what, what need is there actually to have leaders over me? Yeah, well, you know, Ephesians 4 is a place that I've been dwelling on in this week and a place I've been to several times um, in the past. And there it just, talks about certain things given in the church and particular roles that were given to the church right Ephesians 4:11 Christ himself gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people um, now the word there to equip uh, is a it's a Greek word that's used at other times to talk about mending a net so it can mean to fix or to supply what's lacking that's the way that's used in other places in the new testament um to fix his people for works of service to supply what is lacking in his people for works of service or works of the ministry so that the body of christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ so straight off the bat i look at this and i see okay there's um, sorry, if you go back to verse 7, each member has been given grace by Christ. Each member has been given a gift by Christ. But now the job of these other officers that are mentioned is to fix what's lacking. So God has so structured the church that just by the gift that Christ gives you or the Spirit gives you or the Father gives you, because all three are used, triune God is used to talk about giving gifts in the New Testament, you're still not good to go as a lone ranger Christian. Mm. You, you still need these other offices that are in the church. Then I'll go to passages like um, Romans, let those who lead, Romans chapter 12, right? Romans 12 verse 3 and 4, I think it is. Let those who lead. Okay, so there are people that lead. Um, God intends for people to lead in the church. And then obviously the passages that I've been referencing in Timothy about those that rule um, having the same idea. So obviously that's an intention of God since it's stated in the New Testament. Um, those are commands uh, submit to your leaders in Hebrews as those who watch over your souls. S- you know, um, 
if you're not part of a local church, you cannot obey the book of Hebrews commands to you hmm. or Timothy. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yes, we do need to be led. Um, I, I really do know what you mean, and I'm in absolute agreement yeah, yeah. With, with what you're saying and where you're going. But what are some of the dangers that we that you do see pastorally? Okay. As you go about your, your ministry, you come into contact with people that aren't connected to churches or aren't connected to churches where there is functional leadership in the churches. What, what are some of the dangers that the flock encounters or individuals encounter that are Lone Ranger Christians? Yeah, so they've got no they've got kind of no filter or no checks for their blind spots. Mm-hmm. So there's no one that knows them not just in their theology, so in their knowledge of God, but in their character that's around that can meaningfully speak into their life. Mm. Mm. Um so there might be people who can speak into their life but no not meaningfully because mm. they don't bear any authority mm. um in that individual's life and so I can just say yeah, or whatever. You or, know. or proximity. Uh, you know, if a person isn't in in proximity right. with you, if they don't know you, they don't know your family, they don't know your work, they don't know your context. How, how do they know? You know, where to put their finger in order to scratch, in order to find yeah, exactly. what the what the issue is. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I've got fellowship with this other Christian in Papua New Guinea, and he agrees with me, and he's on the internet, and you know, he's my fellowship in my church. I'm like, no, he doesn't know you. Y- you know, he. So there's no check for blind spots um, on individuals like that. There's no care for souls. So it's connected to this, but very often it's easy for people. It's not not very often. It is always the direction in my limited experience that they go way off in certain directions and live violently inconsistently. Um, So, you know, they'll become, just as an example, They'll become gung ho about the issue of the Sabbath um, and bringing Old Testament law in, something like that. But they'll be living in an unmarried state with another person. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's there's that they they can have this huge you, you dichotomy. Know what, you know what? You know what? I find often um, I find a. Uh, uh, an overemphasis uh, in terms of the people that I've engaged with that aren't connected to church, either an overemphasis on on secondary issues, whether that be something such as eschatology, so right. the future things, right, huge right. emphasis on the future, very little or no emphasis on Jesus Christ, his person and his work. Yeah, they'll pick something. There's always something that's yes. going to become the main thing for them that's not Jesus. Mm. And very often it'll end up being something that's, to use Paul's language to Timothy, a myth. To use modern language, I'll say um, a conspiracy. And what does he say? That does not lead to godliness. Mm. So, so back to where we started, really, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about, like, why is this important? Why is Christian leadership important? And we started off by talking about the health of local churches and the criticality of leadership to general institutional church health of local churches. But really, now we've got a, a second reason why church leadership is so important. That's because as you, a person, as an individual, um, your spiritual growth, your spiritual vitality is attached to being engaged with leadership. You being a good follower and you having a good leader that Christ may be glorified in your life. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, to put it in pictorial language as we draw near to the 10 o'clock break, 
I'm um, glad you did that because I have no clue how the brakes work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking around for Check a watch here, yeah, an indicator. Glass. <laughs> yeah. So brilliant. Um, sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. And pastors have been appointed as under shepherds. Elders have been appointed as under shepherds. With Christ Himself being the chief shepherd, mm. He is not physically here. And so you know, if you, you go to your daughter at night, she's scared in her bed you know because it's dark and whatever and she's a kid and you say jesus you know don't be scared jesus is with you it's like yes but i'd like somebody with skin mm. um it's the same type of vibe right the the jesus is the chief shepherd of the church he's the head of the church okay but I'd, he's put people here in skin that are serving him mm. uh, that work for him so i was thinking about this yesterday um uh and and i never uh Elders serve at the in a congregational government. Elders work for Christ, but they serve at the pleasure of the people. Mm. I serve at the pleasure of the congregation, but I don't work for them. I work for Christ. Yes, great. And distinction. I think that's a, a helpful way to put it. But um, yeah. So I think we need to go to some music, maybe a song and an artist at the time that it is now. We are going to be listening to Janine, who sings Who You Are to Me. Well, fuck, uh, I do want to say thanks to those of you who have been interacting both on Facebook as well as through WhatsApp. I, I hope I don't miss anyone here, but um, people that have either given a shout out, asked a question, or made a comment include Vilma. Vilma gave us the definition. Um, for our crazy word of the day, well done, Vilma. Um, Liesel, my wife, uh, laughed at Tyrell because uh, apparently he knows me way too well. Um, Lucas, uh, Lucas is a pastor in Polokwane. Lucas, uh, I want to say hi to you. He did his BA dissertation, his honours uh, on church leadership in light of the New Testament. Uh, Lucas, uh, you know, one day I actually look forward to having you on the show. Uh, it'll be great to hear um, uh, your dissertation and uh, and talk around it. Um, there were a number of other folk that have made uh, comments, asked questions. Uh, Roland Eskenazi. Um, Roland, I love that you listen to the show. Uh, Roland doesn't even sit in South Africa. He sits in Europe. And uh, I love that you interact with uh, with Tyrell on a weekly basis. I always get a kick out of it uh, when I'm on Tyrell's show, uh, hearing from you. And uh, whenever I mention your name uh, on Sunday, I hear from people in our church that uh, that go, Oh, Mark, you know Roland. Um, you clearly did leave a big uh, dent on people on the East Rand. Uh, there were a couple of uh, notes that came in via WhatsApp as well. Um, and uh, just thank you, Tanya, um, for uh, your encouragement uh, to Tyrell and myself as we talk on the subject of biblical leadership or leadership within the context of the church. Um, yeah. If you're listening in on the outside, please do continue to um, to engage with us. Uh, if you've got questions on the topic, if you would, ha if you've got something that you'd like answered, uh, or if you'd like to make a comment, probably the easiest way would be to drop that on the Facebook comments thread on Radio Pulpit, um, right at the top of the page. Uh, you will see a video um, live, yeah, live stream, stream of uh, what's going on in studio 
right now. I'm the good-looking bald guy, and Tyrell is the hairy monster sitting next to me. I'm just kidding, but but I, you've got a Spurgeon, um, you've got a Spurgeon-looking beard that I'm fiercely jealous of. You know, Spurgeon called his wife. He apparently called her his lump of desire. <laughs> That's kind of cute. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I'm thinking if I called Liesel my lump of desire, she'd just backhand me. So, <laughs> Spurgeon did something, got away with some things I just <laughs> couldn't. <laughs> so, so we're we're talking about leadership in the context of the church, mm-hmm. and specifically right now, I'd like us to start to talk about. What constitutes a good leader biblically? And and, and I guess uh, as I'm thinking about this, Tarot, I mean, just to make this like really practical, um, we keep on hearing about leaders that fall from grace. We keep on hearing about leaders that fall into, into gross sin and undermine the proclamation of Jesus Christ and his gospel. And you know what? It's not just the other guys that are out there. It's not just guys that don't look like us and, and smell like us and belong to our tribe. It, it's even people that are connected to us. We hear of moral failure. We hear of, um, of, of, of the abuse of leadership. The Bible isn't unclear in terms of what constitutes a good leader. And so I, I just wanted to talk through that and, and practically what does that look like? When when you are involved in developing leaders, what are the kinds of qualities that you're looking for? And how do you how do, how do you identify that in a person? And then not just how do leaders identify other leaders and how do they groom up other leaders, but, but how does it how does a member of a church, a, a, a Joe Soap or a Mary Bloggs of a church identify the kinds of traits in leadership that they might um, subscribe to, that they might uh, come under uh, in a local church? What does good leadership look like? So look, obviously um, for a local church, uh, at least on the eldership level, we've got qualifications put for us in First Timothy 3. I don't think that this list is exhaustive Okay, why not? Well, there's a bit of difference between this list and what you see in Titus, right? Yeah. Um, So, obviously, it's similar to the gifts, right? There's lists in the New Testament of gifts of the Spirit, but there are a few different lists. A lot less variance in in Titus and Timothy. But if you read some of the other epistles, like uh, 1 Peter has got some comments about... Um, leaders that you don't get from yes. Paul's writing to Timothy. Okay. okay. So I'd say, well, let me bring some of those in. Um, so so may, may, maybe just as you equate it to the gifts, there are lists of gifts in yeah. different books of the Bible, in Ephesians and in Romans uh, and in uh, and in other books. And when you put those all next to one another, the the, the lists of gifts look different. And so mm. we get an indication that each one of these lists give us a good indication of what the gifts of the Spirit are, but it's not an exhaustive list or a comprehensive list. It's an indicative list. And, and, and what you're implying is that even the lists of qualifications yeah. um, is indicative. Okay. Yeah, so for example, Jesus, and for me, the most critical one that I want to go to. Yes. First of all, the first thing that I look for, and but the reason I mentioned Timothy first is because I didn't want anybody to think I'm ignoring the very clear list of qualifications. Good, yeah. But, I like that, yeah. But Jesus is very explicit, and I think 
what Jesus says about the leadership of the church is probably the most central one. You can have all of Timothy down. Yes. But if you don't have what Jesus said down, you're not going to be a good leader. And I think that what Jesus said is proverbially true for every single field of leadership, irrespective of whether it's church or secular. So you're talking about every single... And we, and we need to talk about what... I'm thinking about a CEO or a president or a platoon leader or a father or a mother. Oh, that's good. Yes, yeah. Jesus isolates humility mm. as the most important facet of a leader in the church. We're talking about the upper room discourse? For one. Yes. That's one time that he doesn't, yes. right? Um, where he tells humility. But the other time is, you know, wanting to call down James and John, wanting to call down fire from heaven. He says, whoever wants to be the greatest among you must become the least. Yes. And the leader is one who serves. So, I, I, I mean, it's uh, the tenor of Jesus' teaching about leadership centers on humility um, as being a vital characteristic. But I want to caveat that by saying humility is not the same as self-doubt. Okay. Humility is not, you can be humble and confident at the same time. Well, well let, let's agree to get back to 1 Timothy and to Titus okay, yeah, and yeah. the qualifications but of elders. But you see why I did that, start. right? So I didn't yes, want to pretend yes, like yeah, Timothy's yeah. not there because yeah. everyone's going to be like, oh, but Timothy <laughs> tells us. I'm like, yes, no, I know. No, no, no. I, I like the track that you've taken. So, so we are going to get to the qualifications of elders as stipulated in 1 Timothy and in Titus. But, but let's now start off with then the, the, the heart of leadership as Jesus talks about it um, as we find it in the Gospels and, and, and talk about how is that heart so otherworldly um, to what we see in politics today or in business today. Um, how is Jesus's model of leadership different to the world? You've, you've spoken about servant leadership. What does that mean? Yeah, so again, it's it's one of those like these these annoying things in the sense that every time you say something you need to qualify it. So, I think servant leadership is misunderstood and people use the phrase servant leadership as an excuse for passive or for passivity. Mm. Um, they use it as an excuse for avoiding conflict Weak and making leadership. Yes, yeah, so synonym. I think another word, servant leadership, has become um, slave leadership. Okay. So husbands are just like, well, you know, I'm just here. I'm I'm just going to uh, attend to every whim of my wife. Yeah. I'm just my my job is just to make her happy and do everything she tells me. That's not servant leadership. That's being a slave okay. of the person, right? Servant leadership is saying, listen, there's a difficult decision, Sarah. God's spoken and we need to leave everything we know and we need to go to a place that we don't know anything about where there's no United Nations protocols and Geneva conventions but this is going to be for your ultimate spiritual good mm. and for my ultimate and the good of our family and the glory of God and so we're going there mm. that's servant leadership because what I'm doing is I'm thinking about the good of the team whatever that team is I'm trying to bring about the best good of the team. I'm not necessarily trying to bring out, bring about the comfort of that team. I'm not necessarily trying to bring about the whims that that team might have. My job as a leader is to see where we need to go for the best that can happen for the team. And I'm just using team because it goes across generically now across all different platforms. Mm. Um, and now I'm saying, okay, let me help you all to get there. 
that servant leadership as opposed to leadership that's serving myself which is what we're talking about in tyrannical type of situations where my vision is as the leader my comfort Mm. my joy my fame how can i direct you all to bring my glory and fame about that's not servant leadership is it is it fair to say that in the way that humans are constituted by default in our totally depraved state that self-serving leadership is the way that we gravitate to by nature which is why we see it so prolifically around us in our world today I don't I don't know that it's the there's there's two expressions of it and that is the one and it's the one that any leader who has actually got some kind of power that's their temptation for so you know just now I said humility is not the same as um, self-doubt if you're a leader and you're confident I think the temptation is to what you've just said you your heart gravitates that way the 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 the, the path of least resistance is to use it for your own good if you're a leader by position, by appointment of God, um, but you are self-doubting and you lack self-confidence, then you gravitate in the other direction, which is to be a coward and a wimp and to just do everything that makes everybody else happy. Um, And you're still a leader, but you're not leading in the right direction. And I see a lot of people doing that as well. They're just not as prominent because no one cares about them. And the destruction that they wreak is not as newsworthy because it's not as scandalous. But it is still devastating. Tyrell, in its, in its worst possible manifestation, how does the opposite of servant leadership come about in a local church what is what does it look like what what are we talking about when when we say the opposite of servant leadership what does bad leadership look like or does it take so many manifestations that it's difficult to quantify yeah i don't know i think it probably my gut feeling is that it takes different manifestations because i haven't sat down and written a list of you've spoken about weak leadership the the, the first name that comes to mind is heavy shepherding okay right um Preaching centers would be another expression of it. So, a preaching center. Well, go, go, go back to heavy shepherding. Heavy sh- right. shepherding. What do you mean by that? So, uh, my my favorite way to define heavy shepherding is that I've got high expectations of members of mm. what I expect of other Christians or of people that I'm leading, mm. but I've got very little support for them and help for them to achieve those ends. Okay. I'm not encouraging. I'm not thinking about how to help them get there. So I've got the destination, but I don't care. I'm I'm, I'm not care to help them get there. Get help them to get to that end. Okay. For me, that's heavy shepherding. Yes. Um. So I don't love the people. I love the objective. <laughs> wow. You don't love the people. You love the objective. Yeah. The yeah. opposite of servant leadership. That's so helpful. I love yep. the mission. Yes. But not those that are on it. <laughs> and sometimes the pious way that this comes across is that he's a pastor who loves God, but he doesn't love people. Mm. Um. Maybe that could be one of the things. Okay. He still say he loves people, but you know we're 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 all about actions. Mm. Um, actions are louder than words. Um, so M- yeah. maybe maybe draw out the weak shepherd, the opposite extreme. Yeah. So it's there, there's no there's no clear vision, and he's the kind of person that that 
that would become a chameleon. So whoever he's with, my goal is just to please this person and their desires. So, oh, you say you like, you think this is the direction? Yeah, I think we, oh, we should do that. Um, and everything's just middle of the road. And the church actually doesn't ever go in any direction. Mm. Um, it doesn't head anywhere. People can't be confronted in the church with holiness issues because I'm too scared to approach them mm, mm. with, you know, listen, I think this is a wrong thing that you're doing. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. So I would, I would see those situations as never practicing church discipline. And if they do, only for those things that are violently scandalous. Mm. Um, now, yeah, so I think that, that those are the first ideas that come to mind. I was going to give you another example. I know, it was in my but, mind. But this other example works for both heavy shepherding and weak. Okay. And this is that they're threatened by other strong leaders growing up in the church. Sure. So they won't nurture them. Yes. The weak, because he knows. It's going to be obvious to everyone that this guy has quality. And so I, I won't let young guys preach. I won't let this. I'm scared because everyone can see that this. So everyone is a threat to me. Yes. And I'll do that if I'm self-doubting and, and, and not confident in the calling that God's put on me. I'll also do that if I'm a tyrannical leader. Yeah. Because that's the history of tyrannical leaders, right? If there's yeah. someone that threatens my position. Both with their head. Because for neither of those people, for neither of those people, is it about the team or is it about the vision that God has given us? Okay. For both of that, those people, it's about Either they, it's both of them. It's about their own comfort or their own bellies, to use biblical language. Filthy lucre, their own bellies, their own name, their own comfort, whatever it is. Yes. It's just different manifestations because their giftings are different or their their natural talents are different. Mm. So the one the, the the one person that you've described has a genuine fear for God but no love for man. The other person that you've described has has a love for man um and 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 doesn't demonstrate a fear for god really in his relationship with them no i wouldn't put it like that either i would say both of them have got a disgenuine love Mm. for the object that they claim to have a love for how can you say you love god and yet hate those that are begotten of him you liar Mm. the truth is not in you so they have a verbal love for god and i think it it actually ends up being a love of theology mm. or a love, a love of doctrinal distinctives, not a love for God. It's, it's, it's a veneer that pretends to be a love of God, but it's not. They're, I, just, I love theology and these intellectual distinctives that, that make, give me the power that I have. Mm. It's because I love God with all my heart, mind, and soul. No, you don't. Because if you don't love those that are begotten of him. Yes. And just to give you the other example, if you genuinely love people, mm. you don't just do everything that they want and kowtow to them and bow to their whims. If you genuinely love people, then you sometimes have to do the hard things. You have mm. to do the difficult things. The other love is a fake love. It's a love of self because I want people to like me and I don't want people to be upset with me and I don't want to rock the boat because mm. I love me, not because I love people. I think of my own children. They yeah. love you know, Cocoa Pops in the morning. If that's all they ever ate, they would be obese and have concentration problems around 10 o'clock. Um, I think of my teenagers, they love to watch TV and my son just loves technology. If I allowed them to scurry around doing whatever their hearts were content with, that's literally all that they would do all day long. Instead, you know, son, it's 8 o'clock, you're coming into church with me um, and you're not bringing your tech with. You can bring in a a Roald Dahl book or a Secret 7 book because you're 7 years old and you need to read and and I want to give you that opportunity and so you're going to come and sit in a chair um, while dad works um, and that's good for you he, he sometimes I mean 
obviously our desire is for them to do it with a countenance which reflects um, <laughs> obedience but uh, but he sometimes do it <laughs> why has your countenance fallen it's crouching at the door and waiting to devour you um, but, but uh, you, do you get that you I get do I absolutely get what so you're saying so that's why I don't believe them when they, when they say it's a love for God and it's, mm. it's exactly what you see of the Pharisees right They've, they're theolo- theologically they were squared away Jesus said listen to those who sit in Moses' spe- seat right mm. but it's they don't love God yes. for whatever they say because they're of their father the devil, in their, right? and they dislove for the people so yeah. Jesus says love the Lord your God with all your heart your soul your mind your strength and love your neighbor even as you love yourself but the conjunction is and the second is like it and the second is like it so yes. don't claim to do the one if you're not doing the other don't claim to observe the first table of the Decalogue if mm. you're not doing the second and don't claim the other way around either so, so, so let's shift gears now yeah, yeah. out of the Gospels and out of this picture of what leadership looks like that Jesus gives us and into the epistles into the letters and the qualifications that Paul gives us this is what your leaders are to look like in Ephesus and on Crete so I, I just I think I, I want to say that I don't think we've exhausted appropriately humility. Okay. Um, and it because we don't um, we don't know why it's the most important. And I know we're I mean obviously times an issue. No no no, you go. But brother. if you go for these qualifications, you, you know humility is such an important issue, especially if the Son of God had it, but especially for us, because I don't know everything. As a leader appointed in the church, I don't know everything. And if I don't have humility, I don't listen to all of the brilliant ideas of others who have been gifted by the Holy Spirit and who have the mind of Christ yes. that could help things to be a lot better. Yeah. So humility is critical if as a leader I'm going to make good decisions because if I don't have it, I'm not going to listen to the people I need to be listening to. And you know, <laughs> if we're going to camp out in humility for a while, let, let me just draw a line to Philippians chapter 2 the context is a church the context is certainly a church where there is divisiveness there is infactions there is fighting Um, I mean you know the context is probably two ladies that are that are are starting to rise up two camps in in chapter 2 the apostle is addressing this this interactions these these very negative camps um, and how does he do it? He says, well, you need to have the same attitude, the same mind as that of Christ. And, and how does he describe Jesus Christ? Not as an authoritative dictator, he says, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, took on the form of, of man, um, yeah. died, even a death on a cross, describing the, the, the condescension and humiliation of Jesus Christ, what Jesus did um, for us. Uh, you are right. Humility is definitely front and center in terms of what constitutes healthy churches because healthy churches are made up with relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and you spoke about relationships being being even, I, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the phrase that you used earlier. It's more important than the chain of command. Than the chain of command, except when... You a, can have the title of office. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the office. You can have the title... But if you don't have the relationship, your ability to lead mm. is pretty much not there. And and just how humility is absolutely 
tied in to those healthy relationships within the context of right. a local church. Healthy, yeah. So that's exactly where I was going because that ties us in with the qualifications in Timothy. Now, now here's the difficulty. One of the ways that we go about identifying a leader in a local church um, is we need to have somebody who has the ability to teach. Um, and so this is going to be a person who either has the ability to preach or the ability to lead a Bible study. Um, often those are people who are front-footed by nature. And now we're talking about humility. And so in our definition of humility, we need to make sure that we don't, we're not talking about a person who's a pushover, um, but we are talking about a person who is humble. So what is this type of humility, this leadership humility that we are talking about that good biblical leaders have what, what does that look like or, or how can we define that so that we don't cross off people who genuinely who genuinely have it and are going to be healthy for the church um, because they are front-footed or you know have the gift of the gab or have the ability to teach and we we're not crossing those off because we don't want to have people who put themselves out uh, what does humility look like what's the kind of humility that we are looking for so this is why I very importantly said humility is not the same as self-doubt or a lack of confidence. Mm. My second two characteristics that I look for in men that I wanted to develop as leaders, and this is something that formed over years. up to, it's, This is the, the pinnacle of me having figured stuff out over the years, and then I've verified it in the scriptures but after humility the next two characteristics that i look for before i get to timothy is initiative and aggression initiative and aggression now well. those are two <laughs> i mean initiative that's fine but maybe link it to humility in a way that i understand and then aggression you're definitely going to have to explain yeah, yeah, for sure. And and maybe just to point out that you and I have had these conversations in the past. So yeah. I, I'm asking leading questions because I kind of have an idea of where you're going. Yeah, yeah. So for me, humility is saying exactly what happened in, in Philippians that you referenced with Jesus. How do I know that that's humility? It's because I can see that the person's drive, um, it's not about them. They're thinking of the good of the team. If it's in a church, they're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about the good of the church. So um, I'm passionate about families and these families being equipped in this way. And I think I've got the ability to, God's given me the ability to use that for their good. Um, it's not, I want to teach so that people think of me as the teacher. Mm -hmm. right? So what is the motivation I see in the person that tells me whether they're humble or not? Is their motivation for their own glory or their name, or is it for the good of the congregation? Um, is it for the good of those who they're leading? That's the one expression of humility. So it's really, am I are they serving? Mm. And then the other would be, are they teachable? So that's another expression of humility. So if I'm able to come alongside them with constructive criticism, mm. are they humble enough to say, hey, man, I can improve. Mm. I can get better. I can be sharpened. But if they're not, so, so those are two ways that I would see humility. That's not the same as saying somebody is um, saying, you know what, I'm going to go forward uh, and, and initiate this. So initiative means they don't need to come and be told how to serve, how to be a benefit to other people. They're looking for ways to be a benefit to other people. I'm looking for ways to bless the people of God. Whether my name and 
not for the sake of my name, but for their good. Yes. That's what I mean by initiative. I don't have to light a fire under them to get them to do stuff. If they've got nothing to do, you know what they do? They figure out what to do. Yeah. They figure out things to do and they make things better. That's what they do. They've got initiative. Um, and I'm, my, you know, my justification for both of these is, is from Peter. Um, uh, and, and, and we can get there just now. First Peter 5 verse 2. But um, the other one, aggression. So, you know, people sometimes don't like me using that word, but I purposefully use it, one, to be an affront to the emasculated culture of the church, and uh, two, because it, it does get at what I'm talking about. I don't mean violent. I think violent and aggressive are different. So not somebody that wants to go and hit people and, 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 and be a heavy shepherd. But by aggressive, I mean that when there are obstacles that stop them from achieving the goals that they've been put down or that God has given, they don't just give up. Mm. They just, oh, no, providence is against us. We can't do this. But they've got a dogged determination to continue to endure. If I have to use other language in the New Testament, but the reason I don't want to use it is because it's become so it's so used by us that we're numb to it mm. but long suffering enduring hardship as a good soldier but you know we hear that all the time so when I say the word aggressive people are like what like yes because when somebody's upset with you in the church with the decision that you've made you don't say you know what guys maybe we should, let's just not do this let's just go and no it's like okay we, you know what we're going to still think about how to do this and how can we how can we pursue that brother and win them over not oh well it's you know that person's gone and they've left what are you going to do about that i don't know so i'm i'm not talking about aggression in my voice or my tone but in my in an internal fire to do difficult things and not to give up at the first sign of resistance that's that's what i mean by that and both of those come from first peter 5 verse 2 before you comment on that shepherd the flock of god that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion and then here's the words that peter uses but willingly and we would we'd expand we'd go into the etymology and the word study of willingly there's a fire there um, as god would have you not for shameful gain but eagerly and in those two, I've got, if you're willing and you're eager, mm. you've got initiative and aggression. Okay. Yeah, so I, I, I do. Uh, as, we, as we kind of begin to draw humility to a close and as we, as we begin to wrap up that side of the discussion, uh, in, in reality, humility is strong and it is controlled strength. It, it, is, it is strength that is under control and then used for appropriate, um, for appropriate reasons, for God glorifying it's reasons. A, yeah, or to use other language, it's a gift that's mm. being used for the benefit of the others, mm. not for the benefit of myself. So, what is your strength? Your strength is going to be your gifts that are given you either by natural talent or by the Spirit, teaching, leadership, charisma. How you use those, mm. that strengths. Mm. Is it for the good of the people of God and for the glory of God, or is it for your own benefits? Yes. That's yeah. Uh, excellent. So, so as we as we think about about people who lead in the church, we have these these lists, these lists of qualifications, these lists of characteristics. Um, 
talk about the lists a little bit and talk a wh- about how the lists ought to be applied beyond just their their narrow intended application, which is how do you go about qualifying elders in the church, um, but really how these lists um, extend to each and every member of the list, that, that we want more fathers that bear these qualifications, mm-hmm. that we want more uh, deacons and Bible study leaders that bear these qualifications, that, that in, in many ways these are aspirational qualifications for everyone in the church. Because so, uh, sometimes when we get to these lists, we go, okay, well, this is about the pastor. So if I'm not a pastor, either it doesn't really matter to me, or if we're not currently looking for a pastor, this is a passage that doesn't count for me. But but in reality, uh, I mean, these are, these are aspirational lists of Christian character, aren't they? Mm-mm. No, they are definitely. Yeah. So, 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 what are these lists? What, what, what are some of the some of the elements of them? So, yeah, there's. I mean, it's uh, literally it's written um, to a church for appointing elders and deacons in the Titus passage. Um, oh no, no, actually in the Timothy passage, First uh, Timothy three, to the church itself. All of the qualifications, bar one, are character qualifications. Um, I think you could actually say bar two, because one of the qualifications, I think, is both a character and an ability thing. Um, but they're all looking fundamentally at character, and I've got to, there's a very important reason for that, not just biblically, but proverbially, there's an important reason for that. But um, the only ability that's mentioned there for elders is the ability to teach. I think the other one is the ability to manage is also um, mentioned there. Otherwise, everything else is just a character issue, that they are examples of godly character. Um, Because if the church is driving towards holiness and Christ-likeness, then those that are leading ought to be leading in Christ-likeness and holiness. And so they form the example that everyone in the church ought to be driving towards. So, so the, I mean, this is this is really, really important because some sometimes we get hung up on what people do, um, and, and functionally, elders do do things. They they teach, they shepherd, and they rule. They exercise oversight. These are the 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 functions of what elders do. But but in reality, when we're looking at these lists, these lists are far less concerned about what we do and far more concerned about who we are. Mm. It, it seems that that's where the emphasis that the right. Apostle Paul puts. And and you've now drawn it. You've now drawn the link between who your leaders are is ultimately what we are wanting to become. And so, if we're to follow, we need to follow people who are who are at where we want to go mm. to. If that make uh, have I summed yes. up what you're saying correctly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's there's different senses of that, right? So, the literal reason that Paul included this writing to um, to Timothy was so that that local congregation would know how to appoint leaders. The moral uh, meaning of the text is that this is what every Christian should be driving towards um, themselves, because this is what it looks like to holding the mystery of godliness um, in, a, in a faithful way. The uh, What it is by analogy, why is this all here in the first place, is because it's telling us that this is what the true elder brother is. This is what Jesus is the fullness of. 
So these are men who want to be like Jesus. So we want to appoint those who are most hard driving to look like Jesus. And in the last sense, it's eschatological because this is the direction of every single Christian's life is to be these things in the most perfect sense in glory one day. And so all of those senses come together in Scripture to take us in that in that particular direction. And so that's, I think there's lots of benefit from, from this particular text. Well, I mean, let's just read the text because yeah. that, that might be quite helpful. If we're right, saying right. that this text has personal application to people even beyond pastors, that this has application to, to you in your life right now, to anybody that's listening, uh, then hear what the text says. It says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. I'm reading from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, uh, if you're wanting to know what the translation that I'm using. It says, an overseer therefore must be above reproach the husband of one wife self-controlled sensible respectable hospitable able to teach not an excessive drinker not a bully but gentle not quarrelsome not greedy he must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all uh, dignity. If anyone doesn't know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. And furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Now, now obviously some of what is going on here is contextual. Um, this is talking about a man. Um, the pronouns are all masculine. It's talking about a man that's married. It's talking about a man that's married and has children. Um, uh, so some of this is definitely contextual. Um, but 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 we also say that this has this has broader application to uh, uh, to an aspirational spirituality um, for the people in the church. As they read this, they shouldn't say this is just about the leaders they're the only people that need to aspire to these qualifications or, 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 or to these standards but but rather this should be this is the standard that we all aspire to we, we, we aspire to the mature man this is describing mm -hmm. the mature man and this mature man is being brought forward and say these are the kinds of people that you want to identify as leaders uh, in the local church right yeah because these are when you when you go on um um, in the, the the reasons for these instructions, he tells you why at the end of the chapter from verse 14, um, he goes on to talk about the gospel itself, about the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, so it's, it's directing all of us in that way. But So I don't know if this is, um, you know, I, want, I wanted you to be able to, to, to direct this, but I, I don't want us to leave without mentioning this that I think is important that the reason that character is emphasized so much so in leadership here and why I think it's proverbially true across the board. Um, so if somebody is just a secular employer, um, the relevance of this conversation for them is that they should be looking for character first is because in high stress situations and church, you know, you're a pastor, so you'll know church is life and death. When stress comes about, when things are high stress and the stakes are right up there, 
people don't drop down to the level of their abilities they drop down to the level of their character wow that's that's actually worth just saying again in high stress situations people don't drop down to the level of their ability they drop down to the level of their character yeah i mean that's quotable so here's a guy who's he's he can talk he can speak well publicly he's got charisma when he stands on a stage, he's got stage presence. And you know what? To top it all off, he's a theology nerd. He likes to read and he retains information. When stress in ministry comes onto him, all of those abilities become insignificant for how he's going to conduct himself in the situation and how he's going to meet that situation. Mm. What is going to be relevant is what his character, because that's all that's left. Everything else is stripped away. Mm. When you're in the one-on-one conversation of the man who's being abusive to his wife, your charisma and your stage presence and your ability to teach and your ability to quote Chrysostom are irrelevant. Your ability to connect with this man and confront him about his sin and keep yourself calm and keep yourself wise and rebuke him as a father, because that's what he goes on to say, rebuke older men as you would a father, all of that is going to come down to your character. Your ability to manage the church, manage the household of God, manage the church, is going to have nothing to do with your, do people still use double ledgers? You know, you know, all of that stuff. I just did accounting in grade nine, right? It's like all of that's out the window. What's going to come in? Do I have now at the base level when I'm not sure how I'm going to get paid next month? My ability to trust in the Lord and to be faithful and to not compromise and to not take shortcuts and and so on and so on and so on that's you know and we could expand out into a, a plethora of incidentals right but yeah mm. I'm pretty convinced of that and then that's why that's important so what's more important for me if I was looking at a job application if someone sent me their resume um, I would now at where I am in life be less interested in their abilities and a lot more interested in their character um because that's what's going to bear them out, and and that's not to say just to, not to ju- say. just to less underline. Less interested doesn't yes, mean not le- interested. Less interested doesn't mean not interested because ultimately, uh, those who lead us need to perform function. Well, they um, must all be apt to teach. Y- yeah, they must be apt to teach. They, they need be to be able, able to, to shepherd. They need to be able to make decisions. Right. But 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 to come back to your quotable quote, like when the chips are down. Um, we descend to our character. Our character becomes our baseline, right. not our abilities, uh, which I think is really, really helpful. Uh, there was a great quote. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Facebook that uh, <laughs> as soon as we are out of here. Uh, that's my quote of the day. Yeah. Uh, I have a word of the day. Thank you very much. And I have a quote of the day. Um, as I'm, as I'm thinking through that, and, and I'm, I'm thinking of the list, particularly in one Timothy. It is interesting that it starts off with reputation and it ends with reputation. Mm-hmm. It starts off with he must be above reproach um, and it ends off with he must have a good reputation even with outsiders um, that, that, that the character really is what wraps the, the, the qualification the man of God um, up into a package deal uh, that we put before us and we say even as he calls out you know follow me as I follow Christ we, we, we actually can see something of Christ manifest in him mm. yeah exactly Exactly, you, you know, as as you as you, t- yeah. So I love the fact that we're drawing it to Christ, we're pointing it to Christ. But I I, I almost want to hit harder on this on the subject that we're still we're, we're still on because 
Do you remember there's the talk about all of these guys that are really promising? Remember in high school, there's the, the guy with so much promise. Uh, yeah, and, and the yearbook. Like, you had so much potential. And now today, there's those conversations. Oh, you know, he had so much potential, but he's done nothing. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm 45. We start to have those conversations from, you know, the late 30s. So what is, what is that about? That's about it's somebody that had a lot of ability. Yeah. But one character issue that was missing was endurance. Hmm. Or perseverance, mm. and so you see that's the challenge or innovation. And like I think this talking. is the the danger that we have in in Christian leadership, is that we jump at ability as quickly as we as we can when we see it because it's flashy, but if it doesn't have the underlying character, it doesn't last. It's the high school guy that's got charisma and is really good at rugby, but then just flakes out somewhere after that because there's no perseverance there's no endurance there's none of the other quality characteristics and that's my concern in the local church mm. that I want men with ability hey we want I want excellent teachers so you know we have conversations about excellence all the time yeah. I'm not saying that that's not important but I feel like the danger is that we run to that to the exclusion of other it, it, it almost blinds us if someone's got enough ability you can almost be blinded to being concerned about character. Yes. Well, you, you know what I mean. It's hey, th- th- this is this is the conversation of our day because we're we're right now, even in our news, if you're in Christian circles, probably mm. thinking of names of Christian leaders of huge reputation who had incredibly large ministries, but who have undermined the cause of Christ because of character flaws. Um, and I wonder why. Well, I mean, I know why. It's because we're sinful by nature, and right now we're 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 really so consumed with the bottom line as a culture that we overlook character, um, for the sake of of achieving the ends. In other words, the means, you know, are justified because we have the end in mind. Right. Um, when in actual fact, biblical qualifications for leadership start with um, start with character uh, character undermines the message and so when we are looking for leaders when we are looking in our churches we need to look for people who look like Jesus that we might follow them as they follow him yeah you know because if you if you got your humility down um, a lot of moral issues are prevented because you don't trust yourself you don't think, yeah, I can handle that situation. You put me in the situation of these people. No factor. I'm not going to sin. Mm. Humility says, hey, I don't know what's in the depths mm. of my heart. God, keep me from evil. Lead me not into temptation, and I'm going to also not lead myself into temptation. So I'm not going to put myself in those situations that are that are do that because I'm humble enough to admit that I can fall. Right, so because it's an it's, a, it's an issue of arrogance to think you can't. Right, so humility bears bears weight in I think a lot of falling. Um, so a whole lot is kind of opening up in my yeah, mind as right. we as we entering into this this final phase of the conversation. Uh, but but we need to really start to talk about you know final applications. Uh, if you're a if you're a leader that's listening in right now, uh, if you had to give advice to a leader. Um, one piece of advice to a leader based on this entire conversation and where we are right now in terms of humility, in terms of our own 
sinfulness and the fact that we do fall um how, how can leaders uh, protect themselves or in humility um, bring others in in order to um, have longevity of service yeah so that one is to have a have a plurality and a parity of elders we said you know we don't have time to get into the word plurality just means i'm not the only elder parity means that the elders are equal mm. um so i need to have men around me and because i've got humility and because it's not about me i don't have just yes men around me mm. i don't just have men that are going to rubber stamp my decisions i'm also not purposefully pursuing men that are just argumentative and disagreeable mm. but i want men who are strong enough around me that have i've given the authority to or that the church has given the authority to who can say no the the pastor of a small church in south africa that doesn't have you know five men in his congregation that fit that can bill. you get two can, can you, you get, get one if you can't can you go to another local church somewhere else and ask the elders there or the pastor there if they'll hold you accountable will you put software on your computer to protect you will you make policies about not meeting with women um there's there are hundreds of ways to do it and um, you've brought up some some really really good ones that, yeah. that, that that's a great start how about the person who's looking for a church has heard this morning uh, about biblical leadership has said you know what that's something which I, I need to find how do you go about identifying that in a in a church yeah, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd want to spend a bit of time in the church. It's as simple as that. You, you can't, it's not, it's something you have to catch. You can't get taught it because if you, you know, if you go to any church's websites, you know, our advertising is the best. So you just have to go into a situation and say, okay, is this the case? Are the leaders accessible? Do the leaders respond to me? Am I able to talk to them? Ask, you know, you know, ask the leaders those kind of questions. Hey, you're the pastor. I just want to know how... How are you accountable to other brothers in your life? You can ask those questions and find out these kind of things. Mm, um, mm. But I think it's just by being there and feeling the vibe, you yes. should be able you'd be able to pick it up. It's hard. I don't. I can't think of another way to, no, to no, gather no. that. Well, right? no, that, that that's true. But but what you are advocating for is intentional relational membership. So yeah. not just kind of like going to a church, sitting in a pew. Um, you know, uh, once a week uh, on a Sunday, but rather uh, a church is a community that you belong to, and that community is led by leaders who you are going to adhere to and be intentional as you engage with them. Um, lastly, uh, a person who's in a church and 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 is convinced that there is a major flaw uh, in the leadership uh, in that congregation. How does a person? Relate to that You've got What 30 seconds Before we need to Start wrapping up I'm not 100% sure No we've got time <laughs> <laughs> We've got 5 minutes Okay so, no, so no, no. How, how does that scenario Four Work minutes. Tyrell No I'd, I'd say You know they, If they've approached The leadership Themselves in humility Yes Say listen This is the issue I have And you find That you're not able To joyfully submit To the leadership Of that church mm then it would be right to, for you if you cannot joyfully submit to the leadership of that church to find another Bible-preaching, gospel-centered church and maybe let your leaders know, listen, there's, there's, there's issues here um, and you could, again, in humility yourself say, it could be that the issues are with me and maybe I need to grow more. I don't feel I'm able to grow here in that. I'm not able to joyfully submit to the elders here. I don't want to be a hindrance. Mm. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be pursuing another place mm. where I can do that. If you will allow me, if you'll graciously allow me to 
retain my membership here while I look for that over the next coming months and when I found a place that I believe is suitable where my conscience according to the word of God will allow me to fit in I will then withdraw my membership from you um, they they will either respond graciously and allow you or they'll respond harshly but at least either way your pathway is set for you right mm. um, the, sorry, this is the last comment I did have, Mark. Yeah. I don't know if you want to get there. It was just that with regards to leadership development in a church, if you mm. are doing that, mm. um, based on everything we've said, I would start with humility. So a lot of a lot of training that we have is focused on knowledge, and mm. I think that's great. So we do need to do that. I mean, I've developed a whole elders training curriculum, and it's all knowledge. Mm. But the first book I do if I'm mentoring somebody is I give them a book on humility to read. Um, so here, this is the first book we're going to work through. Not a book on leadership, not a book on 1689 Confession. We're going to do a book on humility together first. Let's go through this together and talk it through. On top of that, I would say it's not enough just to read. There would have to be practice. So if you want to be at a, a Jedi-level mentor, mm. what you're going to do is you're not just going to give them the book to read. You're going to think of what task is below their station mm. in their mind and get them to do it. Lots of dishwashing coming out of this uh, out of this radio interview, uh, Tyrell. Now, uh, yeah. l- l- let me just say, in, in terms of leadership development, I- I'm just thinking of a of a leader that's uh, coming up at uh, Crystal Park at the moment. Um, the, the the truth is that leadership development happens over a long period of time. It's yeah. not that you identify a person who can preach and uh, and and raise him to the pulpit. Uh, mm. In reality, everybody starts somewhere. They normally start in a very practical ministry. They often then go to attending a Bible study and then to possibly teaching in a Bible study, eventually to leading a Bible study, getting involved in the in the church service in one way or another. Normally that might start with reading scripture and mm. then, you know, leading communion or leading corporate prayer. Um, eventually they're preaching and at every single stage the church is recognizing their ability and is affirming mm. what they are doing. It, it's never, it's never uh, uh, you know, uh, putting somebody into the pulpit and saying would you please preach on Brass. 1 Timothy chapter 3 um, you know you wouldn't ask a novice to do that it's normally a, there, there's a period of time um, and humility is hard baked into that slow process because often people want to run faster uh, than run. the process is allowing them to do because the church is affirming them at every step of the of the process yeah well, uh, as we close today, I, I do want to say thank you, Tyrell. Thank yeah, you for being my guest. Uh, oh, it, was, for it, was, me, it was great to have you on the show. Yeah, and, uh, it was really cool. <laughs> it, was, it was good to spend time with you um, before the show. It was good to spend time with you in the show. I'm looking forward to having a chat with you after the show. Um, and, uh, and yeah, looking forward to hearing how the Lord uses you um, in your ventures going forward. Thanks, um, man. Thanks, yeah. brother. Yeah. Um, my prayers will be with you and so will the prayers of many of the listeners that are listening today thank you very much for being with us we appreciate you uh, and we appreciate uh, those that have interacted with us during the course of today Um, we we do want to say that our prayers even in closing go out to all the elders and deacons holding the line in local churches and our missionaries serving on foreign fields and we also want to remember and pray and give much respect for our first responders, uh, police, firefighters, obviously at this time, paramedics, nurses and doctors, correctional service uh, officers who are serving in our 
Nation. You've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, uh, Mark, and we are going to be going on uh, to news um, now. And so until next week, Friday, go with God and get after it.